Life presents various issues with a multitude of solutions. Having issues is easy. Getting to the solutions is hard. If you're up for a good challenge, stay tuned and welcome to Qualified Issues. I'm Carissa Galloway. I'm a licensed professional counselor in the state of Texas. Today, this is called The Role of Belief. This is episode five of season two, which is all about perspective. So the role of belief in perspective. So we're going to start off, as usual, with the definition of the word belief. This comes to us from dictionary.cambridge.org. Belief is defined as, quote, the feeling of being certain that something exists or is true, end quote. So this is a noun. Uh, A belief is a thing, something you can own. To own something, though, does require an investment. So when it comes to your beliefs, the real question is, how invested are you? How invested you are will determine how impactful your beliefs are on your perspective. And remember, we have two definitions of perspective that we're working with. Um, Both come from the same website, uh, dictionary.cambridge.org. The default perspective is, quote, a particular way of considering something, end quote. And the perspective that we're working towards is, quote, the ability to consider things in relation to one another accurately and fairly, end quote. So if we combine the term belief and the terms for perspective, we have a lot to think about. First of all, what is accurate? What is fair? Who determines what is accurate and fair? Do you believe that individual or deity has the right to determine those things and why or why not? These are big questions, but very important to answer in order to really understand why your perspective is the way it is. There are so many belief systems, faiths, religions in the world, and if you couple that with the fact that all of them have different denominations, and you you can then see how many variations of beliefs we have in the world. So I just decided to look um, briefly at the five most popular religions in the world. This is from uh, statisticsanddata.org called The Most Popular Religions in the World 2022. So According to their information, Islam is, uh, in 2022, was, uh, and probably still is, it's only been a year, um, the most popular religion in the world. So it's number one. Um, According to UIR.org, called Islam Basic Beliefs, this was updated in 2023, Um, the basic beliefs that I pulled from there... um, First of all, Islam is an Arabic word. Uh, It means, quote, surrender, submission, commitment, and peace, unquote. They do believe in one God, and they have a, quote, belief in all the prophets sent by God, including Noah, Abraham, Ishmael, Isaac, um, Jacob, Moses, Jesus, and Muhammad, unquote. However, none of them are considered to be the son of God. They do believe in a day of judgment and life after death. They have a belief in free will and, quote, that God is an all-powerful, 
or sorry, quote, that God is all powerful and nothing can happen without his permission, end quote. Um, now there are some other religious aspects. Um, there's the five pillars. Now I probably won't pronounce all of these correctly. Um, but the first one is Shahada, S-H-A-H-A-D-A-H. Uh, it says, quote, to bear witness or testify that there is no God except one God. And in parentheses, it says Allah and Muhammad is his prophet or messenger, end quote. The second pillar is Salat, S-A-L-A-T, and it's described as, quote, the five daily prayers are performed at dawn, noon, mid-afternoon, sunset, and night. The prayers are offered in Arabic language and facing the direction of Mecca, unquote. The third pillar is Zaka, Z-A-K-A-H. Um, it stands for, quote, giving 2.5% of one's wealth to the poor and needy, end quote. There's a Saum, S-A-W-M. Uh, it's described as, quote, Muslims fast during the daylight hours in the nine months of the Islamic lunar calendar called Ramadan. The purpose is to remind people of the goodness of what they have and to show equality with the poor. Ramadan is a time for study and self-discipline, end quote. And then there's Hajj, H-A-J-J. Quote, Muslims believe in making a pilgrimage to Mecca, to the Kaaba, at least once in their lifetime. The Kaaba is believed to have been built by Ibrahim, in parentheses, Abraham, and one of his sons. Muhammad restored it to worship Allah. For this reason, it is a very sacred place to Muslims, end quote. Um, when they were talking about Abraham with an I and then Abraham, it's the same person. If you read the Old Testament, you see the name gets changed from Abraham to Abraham. Um, their text is the Quran, uh, Q-U-R apostrophe A-N or Quran, K-O-R-A-N. It's the same book. Um, it is considered, quote, uh, the, quote, last revealed scripture sent by God, end quote. Um, and there's the Sunnah, uh, which is, quote, a record of Muhammad's words and deeds. The Sunnah is used to help interpret the Quran. There's also instruction in it on belief, worship, and behavior, end quote. So that just gives you very basic, I mean, very, very basic, um, which all of these really are going to be, um, idea of Islam, which, like I said, with uh, over... Uh, 1.5 billion uh, followers is the most popular religion in the world. The second one is Roman Catholic, which has over 1.2 billion. And the information for this comes from uh, learnreligions.com by Mar Fairchild in April 2018 called What Do Catholics Believe? So their basic beliefs, um, there's one God, they, quote, believe the authority of the church lies within the hierarchy of the church, unquote. Baptism is seen to, quote, regenerate and justifies and is usually done in infancy, unquote. Um, in terms of truth, it says, quote, truth is found in the Bible as interpreted by the church, but also found in church tradition, unquote. They also mentioned the additional use of the Apocrypha. That's another separate text. Um, they have a belief in hell, but they also believe in purgatory, which is like levels of hell that someone has to go through before they're cleansed and then they can enter heaven. They also believe in limbo, which is reserved for infants. They believe both Jesus and Mary, uh, who's the mother of Jesus, were born without original sin. Um, 
and they believe the in the infallibility of the Pope, and it is, quote, a required belief of the Catholic Church in matters of religious doctrine, end quote. Uh, finally, salvation is dependent on faith, sacraments, such as like baptism, um, uh, take uh, going to confession, things like that, and works. Uh, quote, Catholics believe that salvation is lost when a responsible person commits a mortal sin. It can be regained through repentance and the sacrament of confession, unquote. All right, the third most popular religion is Hinduism, with over 1 billion followers. This information also comes from URI.org, updated in 2023, and it's called Hinduism, Basic Beliefs. Now, there's a word in here I can't quite pronounce, so bear with me. Um, Basic beliefs, quote, the fundamental teaching of Hinduism, or Vedanta, V-E-D-A-N-T-A, is that a human being's basic nature is not confined to the body or the mind. Beyond both of these is the spirit or the spark of God within the soul, unquote. Um, one of their exercises, spiritual exercises, is yoga. The definition of yoga is, uh, quote, union of the individual self with this inner spirit, end quote. And that comes from the website, the definition does. Um, this is training to help individuals experience being united with God. Now, there are four types of yoga. There's karma yoga, Quote, the discipline of right actions is for those of active temperament, striving to eliminate selfishness and to cultivate universal sympathy by seeing the divine reality in all, unquote. And then there's bhakti yoga, that's B-H-A-K-T-I. It's, quote, is the path of devotion to God whose presence can be felt in all things. God can be worshipped as present in an image in a temple. God can be worshipped also as present in suffering humanity by service, end quote. And then there's jnana yoga, that's J-N-A-N-A, quote, preferred by those of analytical bent of mind is the discipline of trying to see the divine reality within all things directly by mentally brushing aside all the obstructing physical and mental coverings that hide it, end quote. There's Raja Yoga, R-A-J-A, quote, is the process of mental control, purity, and meditation to make the mind very calm and quiet. In that profound quiet, the inner divine light reveals itself, end quote. In Hinduism, there is a belief in reincarnation. For those who aren't familiar, reincarnation is where uh, the belief in it is that you believe that when you die, you're going to come back as another person. In some religions, you could come back as an animal or even an insect. And then there's also Dharma, D-H-A-R-M-A. That definition, uh, again, on this URI.org website is, quote, the code of behavior. This is, quote, determined by the place in society and the duties associated with it, unquote. Now, According to Dharma, there are four social positions. Number one is priests and teachers. Number two is rulers and soldiers. Number three is merchants. And number four is workers. It says, quote, there are four ideal stages of life described in Hindu scriptures. The student, the family man, the recluse, and the wandering holy man, unquote. Now, there are also some sacred texts that Hinduism uses. The first is the Vedas, V-E-D-A-S. It is, quote, a collection of hymns, prayers, and magic spells, unquote. Uh, Upanishads, U-P-A-N-I-S-H-A-D-S. I'm spelling these for anybody who might want to look them up. Uh, That is, quote, stories and parables told by gurus, teachers, to their students, unquote. The Mahabharata, quote, is a story of war between two royal families, unquote. The Ramayana, 
quote, story of the god Rama and the rescue of his wife Sita from Ravana, the evil demon king, unquote. So you can kind of see, uh, it's very interesting, you know, if you think about mythology and the stories of, for example, Zeus, um, Hercules, you can kind of see where Hinduism has some of that in their belief system as well. All right, the fourth most popular religion is um, Christian Protestant. Um, this means that these are people who are not of the Catholic um, leanings. Um, there are 600 plus million of them. And URI.org, updated in 2023, called Christianity Basic Beliefs is where I'm getting the information for this. Um, the basic beliefs is there's one God. He is perfect, omnipresent omnipresent and omniscient. Um, omnipresent means he's everywhere all at the same time. Omniscient means knowing everything. Um, there is a belief that everyone has free will to choose whether or not they're going to reconcile with God. Um, and that reconciliation is dependent on a belief that Jesus Christ, who is God in human form, came down to earth as the ultimate sacrifice for sins against God, and then rose to model God's forgiveness through Christ for all who believe in Christ. So the way it has been explained to me is uh, there is uh, a cliff on one side of this really deep abyss, a cliff on the other. Uh, God is on one side, we are on the other. Uh, the cross is used as a bridge, so belief through Christ can allow you to come to God. Um for Christians, there's uh, the text, which is the Bible. And in the Bible, there are two books. There's the Old and the New Testament. These are believed to be the inspired word of God. Therefore, it is taken at its word. Um, the next one, the fifth most popular religion is Buddhism Mahayana. 300 plus million followers, uh, same website, URA.org, uh, Buddhism Basic Beliefs, updated in 2023. So basic beliefs, we have three uh, universal truths, four noble truths, and the five precepts. So the three universal truths, and these are all quoted. Everything that I'm reading here is quoted. Um, the first universal truth, everything in life is impermanent and always changing. The second is because nothing is permanent, a life based on possessing things or persons doesn't make you happy. The third is there is no eternal unchanging soul and self. Uh, let me read that again. There is no eternal unchanging soul and self is just a collection of changing characteristics or attributes. The four noble truths. He, number one, human life has a lot of suffering. Number two, the cause of suffering is greed. Number three, there is an end to suffering. And number four, the way to end suffering is to follow the middle path. Now, this is an eightfold path. So the middle path is number one, right understanding and viewpoint. Uh, that is based on the four noble truths. Number two, right values and attitude, compassion rather than selfishness. Number three, right speech. Don't tell lies. Avoid harsh, abusive speech. Avoid gossip. Number four, right action, help others, live honestly, don't harm living things, take care of the environment. Number five, right work, do something useful, avoid jobs which harm others. Number six, right effort, encourage good, helpful thoughts, discourage unwholesome, destructive thoughts. Number seven, right mindfulness, be aware of what you feel, think, and do. 
something. We always talk about therapy, right? Um, and number eight, right meditation, calm mind, practice meditation, which leads to nirvana. So the last part of the basic beliefs of uh, Buddhism that I got off the website is called the five precepts. The first is do not harm or kill living things. The second is do not take things unless they are freely given. The third is lead a decent life. The fourth is do not speak unkindly or tell lies. And the fifth is do not abuse drugs or drink alcohol. So we're going to talk about how beliefs create a filter in our perspective. We call this filter our sunglasses. How dark or light they are depends on a few things. First, our default perspective. Views are based on what we have experienced or others have told us and usually does not include our own critical thinking. So that's the default perspective. Second, the perspective we want to work towards is the ability to view things, quote, appropriately and fairly, unquote. This takes work. You got to keep those sunglasses clean and make sure the filter has the appropriate amount of light, which I'll call hope, and shade, which I call reality. It's hard to know what to hope for if we don't acknowledge reality first. And I would even add another thing to kind of keep our filters clear of, which is dark, which would be negative thoughts, maladaptive thoughts, things like that. So it's important to ask yourself some questions about your beliefs. Number one, what do my beliefs tell me about the reality of myself, others, and the world? Do I agree with those views on reality? If so, how does it affect my perspective on myself, others, and the world? If I don't agree with those views, do I agree with any of them? How invested am I in what I believe? Do I chant or pray daily? Do I read the texts associated with my faith daily? Do I attend religious services weekly or monthly? How do these religious practices affect my perspective? These are all really important questions to ask yourself. Um, remember, how invested you are will determine how impactful the beliefs in your faith affect your perspective. So one good example, um, I have two examples here. One is from Buddhism, when it says, quote, do not abuse drugs or drink alcohol, unquote. That's from the five precepts. So let's say that you believe in that. Well, would you hang out with someone who who does those things? Do you have family members who do those things? What do you think of people who do those things? Are your attitudes towards people who do those things in line with what you believe? Why or why not? Uh, a second example from Islam where it says, quote, giving 2.5% of one's wealth to the poor and needy, unquote. Do you do this every time you receive money? Why or why not? How do you view those who do not give 2.5% of their wealth to the poor and needy? What is your attitude towards those who give and towards those who do not give? So you can kind of see how not just your beliefs, but how invested you are in what you believe is really going to affect a lot of things, namely your perspective and your perspective can feed into what you think about things, how you feel about things, and even how you behave um, towards people related to those, those beliefs. This next section I title, Beware of the Cult. And there's a reason, and you're going to hear that reason while I talk about it here. Dictionary.cambridge.org defines a recult as, quote, a religious group, often living together, whose beliefs are considered extreme or strange by many people, unquote. So this definition can be tricky at times due to cultural differences. But in general, 
cults tend to proclaim some foundational norms that are in line with a major faith, but as an individual gets deeper into the cult, they often find some beliefs are not in line with the major faith, and that may cause them to leave, while others will still stay. So I found a really great article called What is a Cult? 10 Warning Signs Often Associated with Cults. This is by Amy Morin, LCSW, in May of 2022 from VeryWellMind.com. So this article points out red flags that every individual should look out for when considering a faith or religion, whether it's brand new to you or it's a a change from another one. So the first one, uh, warning, and these are all quoted, absolute authoritarianism without accountability. So I'm going to define authoritarianism. This is from dictionary.cambridge.org. It's, quote, the belief that people must obey completely and not be allowed freedom to act as they wish, unquote. This is kind of like a maladaptive parent-child relationship. The leader, the parent, does whatever he or she wants without explanation and expects the followers, the child, to do as they are told at nothing else. Only do what you are told. You can see where the child, in this case with cults, the followers, would have a lot of anxiety about making any choice. The second red flag that uh, Amy brings up is there is zero tolerance for criticism or questions. Most people who believe in God or a higher power will tell you it is good, even important, to ask God or the higher power questions. In a cult, questions are dangerous as you are considered questioning the leader's authority and knowledge. The third warning she gives there is a lack of meaningful financial disclosure regarding budget. Basically, you will never know the truth behind how money is used and spent. The fourth warning she has is um, unreasonable fears about the outside world that are often that often involve evil conspiracies and persecutions. This is where an individual must use their critical thinking in order to honestly discern if what they're being told is absolutely true. That's hard to do if you're not allowed to ask any questions. So think about it this way. An abuser may convince the victim that everyone else is dangerous. Everything outside their world is evil. Other people will do bad things to the victim. The abuser is the only one who could and will ever love the victim. What better way to control the group than to send that message to that group who is following you than to create false narratives about the world outside the cult. The fifth warning she gives, there's a belief that former followers are always wrong for leaving and there is never a legitimate reason for anyone else to leave. Again, most religious organizations will not bar anyone from leaving. They may follow up and ask why that individual left, but they will not pressure them unduly to return if that individual does not want to. A cult will completely cut that person off and demand followers who are friends or even family of that individual who left to cut them off as well. So if you're in a cult, your friend or family member leaves, then you're probably going to be told to cut off all communication with him or her. There will be a lot of pressure to stay by using controlling statements, maybe even mildly threatening statements, to keep followers following the leader. In the end, followers may hear and even believe that there really is no reason to leave a religious group who preaches the truth, 
Who would want to leave the truth? The sixth warning that Amy gives in this article is abuse of members. If you are considering joining a religious organization and find out that there is abuse going on, you may want to reconsider as abuse is something that is found in many, many cults. This may include physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse. I would even add, um, thinking about all these red flags, that emotional, mental, financial, and spiritual manipulation is most likely occurring as well. The seventh warning she gives, records, books, articles, or programs documenting the abuses of the leader or group. Abuses within a religious organization, especially when frequent, severe, ongoing, they're usually investigated by the authorities, and we'll hear about them through media or even documentaries. It's not hard to find out information about cults, but also about any abuse that has occurred within that cult. Not every member may experience the abuse, but one abused member is one too many. The eighth warning is followers feeling they are never able to be good enough. This breaks my heart when people think they are not good enough. If you read more about major religions and the concept of redemption or forgiveness, you'll find that all offer those things, redemption and forgiveness. A cult will continually place its followers on a path where more redemption and more forgiveness are consistently needed. Without these things, according to the cult, you will never fulfill spiritual fullness, true forgiveness, a sense that you are, quote unquote, good enough. The ninth warning she gives, a belief that the leader is right at all times. Now, we've all been kids before. I, I would like to know if anybody out there as an adult still believes that their parents are never wrong, right? Their parents are right at all times. So it's hard to imagine somebody going into a cult and believing that the leader is right at all times. That's very, very hard to believe, but it happens. Um, I mean, personally, this screams dictator to me. If a leader believes he or she is always right, then that leaves no room for anyone else to ever be right. I imagine leaders who believe they are always right, they have to rule with an iron fist to keep followers who may doubt them from putting doubt into the minds of the other followers. So if you're checking out a religious organization and you get a sense that the leader has a true expression of self-righteousness in both words and deeds, you might want to rethink your choice. At least do some more research and digging. The final warning that Amy gives in her article is a belief that the leader is the exclusive means of knowing truth or giving validation. If you go back and listen to this podcast where I talk about the five major religions of the world, never once do you hear that the leader is the one who imparts truth. Instead, what you hear is that God, a higher power, or the universe holds the truth. Leaders, therefore, are like shepherds herding their sheep towards that truth. A cult will demand you see the leader as the holder of truth. That's a huge red flag and something to be very wary of. So this is from the same article. This section is about how people end up in cults. Um, there's two things that they have here. There's probably more, obviously. But first of all, they have unresolved insecurities. That's in quotes. Quote, they have unresolved insecurities. Unquote. Um, you know, people who feel insecure are usually wanting to belong, to be accepted. They may not care that the red flags exist, or maybe they don't know about them. 
Uh, these are individuals that are very easy for leaders to control because the desire to belong is very strong. We talked about this desire to belong in a couple of episodes in season two here. It's definitely something to check yourself on. Remember, I think we were talking about personality and friends and wanting to belong to a group of friends and how strong that desire is will sort of determine how easily influenced you might be. And same thing here, you know, if you have unresolved insecurities and you just have this deep desire to belong or be accepted, you may not care that those red flags exist. And I would also say that people who have experienced um, any kind of abuse or trauma that is moderate to severe, I mean, you go into a cult and there's these red flags, it's still better than what you were dealing with before. That's another reason people might join and just be blinded because this is still better than what they were experiencing before. The second point that Amy makes here is, quote, they are manipulated into joining, unquote. Some people may see success, ease of moving up the ladder, so to speak, or just wanting some sort of attention or reward for any efforts they may put into the organization. For individuals where the desire is high for recognition or material or monetary items, they may fall prey easier than other people. Um, and they malfa- what they're falling prey to is, quote, to psychological manipulation tactics, unquote promises. Oh, you are going to be filthy, stinking rich. Everyone's going to respect you so much. You're such a good speaker. Things like that. Now, why is it important to talk about cults in this episode about how belief influences perspective? Well, number one, because cults provide a maladaptive form of belief systems that as maladaptive as they are, are still beliefs for those who believe in them. Therefore, the perspective will also be maladaptive. Number two, it can help you, the listener, who is hopefully not in a cult, pick up on cues of red flags from someone else who may be in a cult. Now, I'm putting out a disclaimer here. Just because you don't agree or understand someone's perspective does not mean that person is in a cult. And just like with everything else in mental health, it takes more than disagreeing with someone's perspective to state that they are definitely in a cult. And just because you disagree with the beliefs does not necessarily mean that individual is in a cult. So I want to put that out there. Just keep that in your mind. Um, Another reason, the third reason I have is this information can also help you consider how influenced you can be. Do you have a strong desire to belong or be accepted? Do you have a strong desire to gain notoriety, monetary rewards, or material items for work done? If the answer is yes to either of those questions, it might be wise to talk to a mental health provider to work out why you have strong desires for one or more of those things. Now, I'm not saying that it is wrong to want some notoriety, you know, some acknowledgement for what you've done. Um, There's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, wanting to be paid for your work even if it is a material item, right? What I'm talking about here is a strong desire. Like you have that hyper focus on notoriety, monetary rewards, material items, okay? So hopefully uh, this has been a somewhat brief uh, view of belief, uh, the role of belief in perspective. But hopefully it's helped you Uh, to kind of look at what you believe and how invested you are in that and how your beliefs or even non-beliefs might color your perspective. Um, And also just some red flags out there um, 
that will hopefully help you. So we are at the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you have a quick minute, please consider leaving a rating and review, maybe even share it with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to contact me at fortheloveoftherapy at gmail.com. That's fortheloveoftherapy at gmail.com. Remember, a podcast is never a substitute for therapy with a licensed mental health professional. I am Carissa Galloway. This has been Qualified Issues, and I hope you'll join me next time.